Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show, sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. Thanks to our podcasting partner, Polstring Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Feels like a, it's forever since I've been here. I know. It's been, it's been a little while. It's been two weeks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'd like to introduce you to Brian Chosick. Hey, Brian. Brian. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, it's a it's a fine morning. A little chilly out there. And uh, Brian, I you came on our radar through a mutual friend. You bet. And you're involved in the business giving roundtable. That's one of the things that you do. Yep, absolutely. And we're actually going to have Judy Hawkins on the show. Oh, she's great. Everybody's oh, going to love her. I know. I and well, they're going to love you. We're going to have a great conversation. Sounds good. So, as uh, you know, as I as I want to do on the show, try to learn more about people uh, quickly, and the Google helps me. Sure. Uh, on that, <laughs> what's that, Mark? <laughs> what's a Google? <laughs> Sounds it's this mystical thing. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> this tell. week, Google had their their Google I/O conference. And our listener knows I'm involved in this interesting artificial intelligence project. Sure. And listening to them lay out their roadmap for how they're using AI to inform the work that they're doing is just let's just reaffirms that I know I'm on the right path. You know, if the Google's doing that and spending sure. billions of Google bucks on that, I can you know spend paltry dollars uh, in, in my sense, but it's I know I'm on the right path, so that's fantastic. Absolutely. I, you know, there's if we were to just in distilling everything I've learned about you, sure, it's really down to one word, but I'm not sure which one it is because I've got two. <laughs> it's either purpose or it's why. Which one do you think it is? I'd actually argue it's both. Uh, I see the two in many cases as synonymous, depending on the filter that you're looking from. Uh, purpose is a word that's gotten so much popular acclaim. Uh, and you can go back to the book from Simon Sinek with his book, Start With Why. Yep. And he's really done an unbelievable job of kind of awakening people to this yep. new possibility. Yep. Um, the irony of that is that, you know, the purpose conversation has always been around. But it really uh, came to prominence, I don't know, about 20 years ago with Rick Warren and his purpose-driven life. Yep. And uh, what's wonderful to see from my perspective is that in a very short period of time, call it 20 years, uh, purpose has become so powerful both for individuals and, uh, in my opinion, just as importantly for organizations. Uh, they've embraced it. Uh, there's really no doubt that it's a powerful thing both for individuals and organizations and can really impact people's lives. And um, the real question now is, uh, in my opinion, not just how do you find your why, but then how do you connect to it, whether you're a business or an individual, and allow that to be your guiding light, you know, as you're going through life. What do you mean connect to it? I mean, um, I, I think I, I, I have a, a sense of what that is, but sure. I want to help the listener understand. Sure. You say connect to it. But you have to know what it is. One of the challenges, there's a, a guy named Jerry Lujan. Sure. Who has studied why extensively, studied all of the literature on purpose-driven and why, and said what he's found, and so he's writing a book, yeah. that someone doesn't 
there isn't, um, there aren't tactics there on how to figure out what the why is. So when you say connect to it, it presumes you know what it is. Sure. What's the trick to figuring out your why? What's the trick to figuring out your why? <laughs> I, I think for, for different people, it, it's different things. Uh, I, I'm not a person who prescribes a one-size-fits-all phenomenon. Okay. Uh, for many people, I think it's um, taking the time to actually look objectively, and objectively is a okay. key word at your life and what's been going on and what some of the key markers in life were. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a being mindful, understanding yourself. What so makes is that you like passionate a, and energetic? A forensically, by doing that, you can kind of extract what it is? Th that's one way that people can go about kind of identifying the, the threads that turn sure. into purpose. Uh, for other people, it's an aha moment. Maybe you have a life event that oh. really impacts you. Uh, maybe you've got a, a child who has an illness. Uh, maybe you've got something else that happened to you along the way. Mm. And suddenly mm. you understand that um, what may have been a challenging circumstance becomes the gift that helps you understand this is how I can help and serve other people. So the why appears. The why appears. You know, life presents it, if you will. Um, I've seen any number of exercises. There's a popular one going around on LinkedIn. Oh, what's that? Uh, it, where you take uh, what you're good at is okay. one question. Right. So are, are you good at writing? Are you good at speaking? Right. You know, what are those things? Uh, it then looks at uh, what is what is your passion? And so right. is there something you're good at that you're passionate about? Right. And then uh, there's a third circle that is what can I get paid to do? Because sure. we all got to make a living in this lifetime. Yeah. Right. Uh, and when you combine those three things, uh, you sometimes can figure out where's that sweet spot for you that is your purpose or your calling, whether it be in your profession or whether it be in your life. Um, so that's a nice exercise that I've seen, and it really helps to have a uh, feedback partner. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting. A feedback partner. What is that? Just somebody that you're talking to. You just bounce to. it off instead you're of don't do it in a vacuum. Don't do it in a vacuum. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, we can all get in our head way too much, and the next thing you know, we're telling ourselves a story that uh, may or may not be a good story for us to hear. There was uh, 13 years ago, we had just uh, come back from the TED conference and had done this, uh, made this technology for a client that got premiered at TED. It was off the hook, successful. Cool. And we didn't, we thought it was just one and done. And it turned into like, well, I'm still doing that 13 years later, did not know that. So it was one sure. of those aha moments. Yeah. But we had a coach at the time who, cause we're trying to figure it out, you know, Kimberly and I, how do, who does what and how do we do that? And so to your three things, he called it owner's desire. Interesting. He said, when you get up, what do you want your day to look like? And he actually had us go through an exercise. Literally, you wake up, I make my coffee, I meditate, I exercise. What, what does that day look like? What's yeah. your desire? You, you're creating this life for yourself. It was just interesting because what you just said is, you know, what are you good at? Because that was part of it. So we made lists. Sure. You know, because we found she'd do stuff and I would do stuff. And the, the Venn diagram there was, you know, it's like let's – divide and conquer, so to speak. So the what you're good at, and listener, write this down because I'm always looking for threes. Um, what's your passion? 
And, and how would you define that? Because there's a lot of different definitions of that, but how do, yeah. how, does, how do you know it when you see it? It's what gets you excited. You know, and, and uh, probably an end outcome of passion is you have an activity. If you shared that activity with somebody else, they might look at you and go, was that any fun whatsoever? But for whatever reason, you walk away from that with, with a karmic buzz, feeling good about mm. it, feeling good for having experienced it. Mm. Um, so that's kind of a layman's way that I think about that passion question. Um, I know that uh, Kimberly's a TEDx speaker coach. Yeah. And she's very, very busy with clients. But, and she, it's kind of slammed. So one way to look at it is I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. But she'll text and she goes, I so love what I do. That's what I get. And that's how you know what the passion is. It's like, yeah, it's busy. Yeah, yeah there's a lot to it. But she's able to give back. So I'm trying to help someone figure out that. So yeah. let's get back to why. So you yeah. said, we take a look. Uh, at your life, the key markers, mm -hmm. uh, that there's an aha moment. And you gave us the three three things that you saw on LinkedIn, which is all about helping people get jobs, sure. as we know, and yeah. prepare themselves for jobs. Yeah, that one's very job-oriented, professional-oriented. Do you think that when, like when you come in, because you're a consultant, you come in and help companies figure this out, yeah. right? Yep. Do you think, how, how important is it that the individuals in like an executive team all understand their why before they figure out the organizational why? What's the relation between those two? Jeez, that's a great question. Um, if you look at the research, uh, meaning Harvard Business Review and some oh. groups like that, they did a, there was a study two or three years ago that said that 20% of executives don't have a strong grasp on their personal why. Got it. So that's an interesting statement. Nevertheless, a lot of organizations are still able to align behind an organizational why, sure. even if the individuals don't mm -hmm. have their personal. So I think it's far more important for organizations to align behind their why. But if you had a perfect world, a purist world, each of us as individuals would come into that understanding who we are and what makes us passionate because it's going to make it easier to tap into the sure. organizational sure. why or understand this is the wrong organization right, 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 for right, me. Right, right, I'm on the wrong path. Right, yeah. So an alignment of why, an alignment of purpose, because you know, because I, I think of the organization as one of your tribes. Yeah. I mean, you spend a lot of time with those people, and they are, in fact, a tribe. Absolutely. And having alignment with their why. So now let's back up just a little bit. As a business guy and, and working in both small and large organizations, yeah. there's that uh, that point where you have to endure, and I'm going to say endure on purpose, Sure, the mission and vision workshop. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> endure it. Right? <laughs> no, it's good. It's right? Good. Yeah. The two-day retreat. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to go to the mountains. We're going to figure yeah. out. Was it on off-site? We're going to go do an off-site? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's the thing that gets then you come back and it gets etched in bronze in the lobby and it gets put on the, you know, I mean, everybody now knows your mission and vision. And, and I don't want to talk about that, but I want to put it in, con I want to contrast and compare that to the why. And it, it, someone said to me, he says, why do you have permission to be in business? What's mm -hmm. the why? 
And, and I, that is such a stronger thing, yet I've not walked, you can't walk into a business in this region and there'll be a plaque that says why we're here. Well, I, I think that's changing actually, and I'm not sure how accurate that is. Uh, I did a talk recently with a group of businesses that are all reasonably sizable, uh, and um, the topic was making purpose matter. Okay. Every single one of those presidents or CEOs said that the topic was highly relevant to their business. And in fact, many businesses, what I'm seeing, are now writing a purpose statement, their mm. why. Not a mission statement, but a purpose statement. A purpose statement. Well, they end up with a whole lot of statements is right, one of right. the challenges. <laughs> but the purpose... I think we're here. <laughs> yeah, the purpose statement is really getting at the cause. So uh, what cause are you trying to solve? What are you trying to do? You know, if you go back in time, businesses couldn't come into being unless they had a charter. So if you go back to England, long, oh, long time ago. So sure. they really had a purpose or a cause, and that cause theoretically was to serve some need that wasn't met in society. Yes. So business has a tradition of um, being not just profit-motivated, but uh, one could argue that its original intent was to serve the needs of society. Uh, somewhere along the way, and particularly I would say in the early 1900s, uh, we became very focused on other topics, profit being one of them, right. efficiency, everything that happened with the Industrial Revolution. Yes, yes. Uh, and purpose in many ways got lost in the shuffle. Mm. And uh, my experience is it often doesn't get lost at the start because when you start a business, you're passionate about something. Yeah, you're yeah. excited right. for a reason. Right. And then all of these things start pushing on you and the weight starts coming on you and we got to make the next buck. And you kind of lose your centering as to what you're really doing. Um, so uh, I, I believe that there are a lot of organizations talking about the why, and there was another great Harvard Business Review study that 90% of executives, and I think they studied about 3,000 people, uh, 3,000 senior leaders, understand that purpose is incredibly important. Only 46% indicated that they'd really done anything about that. Right. So the challenge, in my opinion, is not do people understand that purpose is important? I think that awareness has, has really grown strong, and I think it resonates because we all want to have some purpose in right, our lives, right. uh, whether you're a senior leader or whether you're the one opening the door for people, you know, exactly. when they walk in the door. The challenge I think people have had is, okay, now what? How do you translate we have a purpose, we have a higher cause? How do you let everybody know what it is? How do you get everybody understanding on the same page of what it is and actually activating it and embedding it so that that becomes the driving force for their business? Um, you, you're, you're so spot on because otherwise it's just platitude, yeah. right? It's something that's on a business card. It's, it's on, hanging on the wall. It's, looks great, but yeah. nobody believes it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, you, in looking you up, you use some words to describe yourself. One is sure. uh, an actualizer. Yeah. I've not, that's a great word. I love that one. Thank you. And uh, the other one is you're a recognized leader in the, in the arena of awakening and connecting the why. Yeah. So th 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 those were really powerful words. 20 years ago at Wavefront, software company here in town, we had that ubiquitous three-day 
off-site. You look thrilled about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's written all over my face. It's still it's clearly it's a defining moment for you, maybe not in the way it was intended. Yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, and, and our listener knows I'm not shy, uh, and I just said, this is not acceptable. We're not doing that. And what we're going to do instead is, because it was really around values, What's important to you? What are what are the what do we believe in? Which is very related to purpose, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. And I said, well, just because we've identified the values doesn't make them stick. To your point, yeah. So what we came up with was something we called observable behaviors. Yeah. And we came up with ten. We spent that time debating what those ten things would be, and said. That's what we want to see. We want to see the value in action. Yeah. We want to recognize it. We want every employee to be thinking about it. Yeah. And the review of the employee is more heavily weighted on those 10 things yes. than it is on their technical proficiency. Yes. That worked. Oh, that actually worked. Yeah. Whenever I talk about that, it, I feel like the, you know, the unicorn in the room is like, oh, yeah, and no one did that. Well, What's your experience in that? Number one, I think what you're describing is spot on. Um, when people think about purpose, they make it this ethereal concept, yes. right? And then it's like, well, what do we do with that? How do we integrate it into our organization? Okay. Um, there are tools that people have been using to integrate ideas, concepts, methodologies into business for years. Okay. Lean is a concept that a lot of people are familiar Lean. with. Yeah, it's the Toyota way. It's how Toyota became what they became. Oh, it's like in lean the 80s. manufacturing. Lean, lean manufacturing. Got it. Okay, got Continuous it. improvement yeah. has a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, and it, it's uh, so to to speak to your comment. I think what happens to people is they get lost because they don't necessarily understand the word purpose. That was your first question, in right. a sense. Exactly. And then they, they forget all of these great tools that they already have. So Key give performance us, give us. indicators is something that you essentially okay. mentioned in your talking. Yep. Right. Um, how do you measure these things? And what it really comes down to is flipping the filter. So we're really good Flipping at... Flipping the filter. Yeah, we're really good uh, if the filter is profit. We know exactly what to measure. We know exactly what numbers tell us if we're going in the right direction. Right. And people have studied that awfully hard. Sure, sure, but, sure, sure. Uh, if you flip the filter and say what we really want to look at is our purpose, and then you go through the processes that you have for your business, you'll start to see that there are indicators, observable behaviors... Oh. And if that is your driving point, right. you're likely to get the outcome you want, which is profit, because no one's ever going to forget when their bank account is running out the door. Uh, but when you, you, you know, to use a sports analogy to try and kind of boil it down. Sports ball? Sports ball. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> if you, uh, you follow Pete Carroll at USC. I follow sports ball in all ways. Sounds good. So if you, if you hear Pete talk a lot, what he talks about is the process. Every day, every moment, we have to practice and we yeah. have to do it yep. at full speed. And it's that practice that creates the outcome in the game, That's not right. focusing on the game. So in business, yes, everybody needs to make a profit. We all want to do well. We'd all like to have some jingle in our jeans. But when you just focus on the jingle in your jeans, you miss a lot of things. Yeah. 
so uh, to boil that down very simply, uh, there's an organization that I'm working with. They've been around for 80 years, unbelievable organization doing some great work. They got highly, highly focused on membership because they're a trade association. Okay. So they got fixated on how many members do we have. And that caused them to, to just focus on that as opposed to how do we serve these customers? Right. What are their right. needs? Right. So you got to flip the filter uh, was the term that I used so that you're really coming from a place of service. And then you're defining your, your key metrics in ways that create the observable behavior, I think was your word, yep. or the action that you're looking for. Yep. And if you've designed that properly, then that process should create the end outcome of profit at the end because you're serving a need that people have. You're doing it in an authentic way. Uh, and you're being of service to whoever your clientele might happen to be or to the planet, you know, when you really get to the higher cause. Does that? Yeah, so your, your word, we're tracking. Now, the person who's listening, chances are they're a small business. Uh, they might be. We've got people um, from all over the world. In fact, um, Patrick, I, I just looked at our stats. <laughs> Where are we trending now? We're trending in France, no kidding. Australia, United I, Kingdom, and we now have listeners in Saudi Arabia. Is that right? Yeah. We're, we're wow. in 42 countries as of uh, yesterday when I checked this. Huh. And it's, it's amazing to me um, how that is true. But w what I don't have a sense of is the size of business. So I'm going to look at our sure. region. It's 98% businesses less than four people. Yeah. How, how do you take that small business owner who's wearing 17 hats yeah. and say, dude, this or ma'am, this, if you don't have this right, the rest is not going to be right. And they're like, I, don't, I just don't have time to work on that. Yeah. Right. What's your compelling argument? Uh, my, my compelling argument from personal experience, because sure. I've, I've ran a small sure. business, uh, is that uh, it appears that it's going to take more time, but it's actually going to create time for you. So let's say you're a four-person business. You hire somebody to do your customer service. Yeah. They don't understand your purpose. They don't understand why you're doing things, and they don't understand the observable actions that you want to see in order to create that. They get on the phone. They create a hostile customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, you're unwinding that for, mm. I don't know, a couple hours at least, right. sometimes right. longer. Uh, and if you track most business activities, if you could do it right the first time, you typically are going to save a lot of time on the back end. Um, another example, it, it, let's take that same business. Let's say you're doing well, and now you're going to grow from four to six people. Sure. If you don't have people operating according to your, your core principles, how are they going to integrate that new person in? So now you're going to be splintered in four or five different directions. And my experience was you then, you're catching balls. You're reactive rather than proactive. Uh, and the reality is this. It doesn't take that long to be integrating purpose or mission or vision. Uh, it requires, in my opinion, constant awareness. Yeah. Um, and mindfulness. Mindfulness. We, um, 
we're martial art. Our listener knows we're martial artists. Nice. And uh, we look at Musashi's, you know, values. And uh, I don't know that one. Well, it's courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit. Those are the tenets. I can okay. believe in that. Those sure. five, sure. Yeah. And when we interview people, I start there. I said, you need to know that we were we live a martial life, and these are the things that are more important to us than anything else. Yeah. If we don't get this right, nothing else will happen. Yeah. And it's it's similar to you know their tenets. It's similar to we're all in the same genre of things we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And after this one interview, I said, "Well, why do you want to work here?" And she says, "I've never had a job interview." where the majority of the time was spent on what the core values are and what's important to you, and by extension, how you treat your customers, how you're going to treat me, how you treat each other. Yeah. And I'd love to work in a company like that. Oh, and yeah. that, was, that was huge experience. feedback, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, we, 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 what I learned over time, I didn't know this on day one. and Right. Uh, I've probably made every mistake, which probably makes me a good guy to tell yeah, you, you what bet. you might want to consider, you know, <laughs> as you're going about it. Right, right. Uh, but uh, over time, uh, we adopted what it sounds like were very similar hiring practices. And when I say we adopted, you know, the leader of these small businesses are typically the person doing most of the hiring. Yes. Uh, and I would be very clear about, A, what our organization was about and what we were trying to do. Uh, and just as importantly, uh, my job interviews were less about skill because I feel like you can you can you can teach those yep. or you know Lynda.com. You so can learn just about anything. Right I, so you're right. You can. That's where like the technical proficiency or whatever it is the the what, not yeah. the why. Right. The what yeah. you're right can be taught. Yeah, absolutely. And it it, it if you can find people who they, they're not going to walk in the door most likely sharing your why per se. But if you can find out what their values are and how they work as individuals, you can make a pretty good gauge as to whether they're going to fit in your company. And for small businesses, there is nothing worse than getting somebody who oh doesn't gosh. fit your culture. Because there's five of you sitting around a room. Yeah. You got one guy yeah. or gal who, you know, is not in alignment. Yeah. It doesn't make them a bad person. They're just no, looking no. at the world no, differently. No. Yeah. And boy, can that create havoc. And you want to talk taking up time? How about refereeing all those conversations between people who right. don't fit? Um, so when you talk about activating and embedding systems, uh, both for big and small organizations, we're not talking things that are ethereal. But if you're going to be a purpose-driven organization, you need to have a purpose-driven hiring practice. Mm -hmm. You need to have key performance indicators that reflect the observable behaviors yep. that are important to you. Uh, and again, it, simple stuff that really, if you get it right on the front end, doesn't take a lot of time. You're just sharing who you are as you're going through the process and flipping that filter a little bit. Right. We had a, we have, not had, we have a technique that does exactly that. We call it the lunch test. Yeah. <laughs> Is it more complex than taking them to lunch? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. All right. Just check. Just check. People right. drop their shields when they go to lunch. Right. Yes. Right. 
And it's like, hey, well, we're just having lunch. Yeah, no, right. this isn't continuing the interview. Uh, you know, and you well, and you never say that explicitly. Not at all. Right. Yeah. And we invite other people from the organization to the lunch. Hey, come yeah. on, we're gonna, right. we're just right. going to have lunch. Right. Yeah, this is Bob. Yeah. And then you get to see, and I instituted this because I hired a sales guy, and I had never eaten with him, mm. and a big part of his job was taking people out to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was obnoxious and awful his At like table, table manners yeah. 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 i was like oh my god you you're <laughs> representing me to yeah. these people we are officially now having a lunch test. Yes. Well, this is this is that psychological test uh, that they do in university psychology departments where they, they come in and, and hand you the something and say, the test will begin in a few minutes. And then sure. 20 minutes later, they walk in and go, thank you very much. And you go, wait, I thought the test was going to begin. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's the thing is, it's the lead up. They, they want to see you in anticipation of whatever it is. Or mm. they want to see you outside the parameters of what what you think as the subject the test is. So, which is exactly what you've just described is, you know, putting putting into play this idea that if I if you, you know, remove that kind of anticipation. Right. Oh, I don't have to I don't have to be a, And also it, it, that as as somebody who's recently been interviewed for a, for a, a high functioning position, uh, I would would have much rather have done it with a plate of food in front of me. Uh, mm-hmm. Than just kind of a blank empty table, and where you're just kind of you on one life. side, them on the other right. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. shields up all around. Just feels feels like I I, I did did get a you know it's it's hard to it's hard inside of any of those interviews to feel like 45 minutes to decide your career is maybe just not enough. Right. <laughs> kind of like to go. Well, to lunch. Th- th- is that yeah. is the case when you said are are our values aligned with the process? Right. Yeah. And we learned this when we worked with Chris Anderson at TED 13 years ago. And we were were building this system to connect all the attendees at TED. And he he said, Mark, they could have interests aligned. They could have have done the same kind of jobs, had the same experiences, traveled to the same places. But unless they're aligned on values, the relationship will end when they walk out the door. And what I want to do is I want to build relationships that last all year long. And that's what's most important to me. He said, we have to understand their values. And that started us on a 13-year quest to say, no, that's what's most important, that you have that in line. So that's why I was so excited when I started digging into your work to see that that we're – we're on the same page here. No, absolutely. I, I think it starts with with the where and the why. You know, the vision. The where in the why. No, the where and the why. Oh, got I'm it. Sorry. Got it. Got it. So got the it. vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the world going to look like if you achieve your objective and your why? What's your cause? And then you need to get into the values very shortly thereafter. Right. And they need to dovetail in order to make it work. Um, so all of those things are critical critical elements, in my opinion, of designing the business that you want to have. And I use the word design not to create the idea of architects in in huge pictures, but you need to be mindful and think about what is it that you want to create. And if you don't, you're probably not going to create it. And we see that in our individual lives. I know I have. Um, You know, you, you start out with a picture, then life happens and you don't have your rudder quite set. And you wake up one day and you go, how exactly did I end up where I am today right. when right. the picture of what I wanted to be was going to be something else? Sure. 
Uh, and the same is true of businesses. I mean, you've probably seen it, but, you know, you go the businesses around. They have the big hurrah. They get launched. They have some success. Then you start chasing a customer that doesn't necessarily align with your purpose or vision. Maybe you get that customer. Suddenly, they're determining your priorities rather than you designing your business. And you start on that hamster wheel, the never-ending chase to keep up. Um, But you can be much more thoughtful about it. And it doesn't, again, take a heck of a lot of time if you do that and you really um, know who you are as an individual in an organization. It makes it a lot easier to make decisions and to make good decisions. Uh, are you familiar with the concept of like framing a discussion? Absolutely. Yeah. So what what I heard there was design is I, I'm a design thinker. So yeah. design thinking as a whole, someone can go Google that and yeah, they go spend look at days that. looking at that one. That is that's <laughs> fantastic, right? But you're yeah. kind of framing this whole discussion, which frames the organization. Yes. Does the when I say the the why and purpose then becomes the center of gravity for the organization. Yeah, and in fact, I, I use this, uh, the words gravitational pull. Okay. So I think we're... <laughs> I, we're we're so, even somehow, finding out we're, a lot more about each other here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% that, yes, it creates your center of gravity, and it becomes the defining North Star is a word you hear a lot, but that thing that keeps you moving in the right direction. There's a lot of organizations that are so clear on that 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 really helps you make decisions because you'll say, nope, that's not right. where we're going. And and the more people that know that and the more that's woven into the fabric of the organization, yeah. you're, to your point, you get going quicker. Absolutely. You know, nope, that guy just walked in is not our customer. And yeah. that's hard for a small business to say, you know, I come from a restaurant background, yeah. so it's we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. It's the only industry that has that sign, but every yeah. everybody should yeah. have that sign oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Are you sure? Are you sure it didn't it didn't come out of the civil rights movement? <laughs> <laughs> just I, I don't. I'm a little young. I'm a little young, so I might not know. But I just I just kind of feel like that's the kind of thing. You know, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 One of our listeners now going to Google that yeah. and figure yeah. out that, and uh, and let I'd us know. I'd love to know the answer if somebody That's, figures that one out. You know what? It's probably from the hobo movement of the 1930s. It would be actually my guess. <laughs> it, like, it, it, right, that you would want tramps and hobos not to we, be. Oh, look at that big sign up yeah, on the wall. This, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a little bit because we sure. we tend to not spend a lot of time on biography and yeah. where you came from. But yeah. where did you come from? How'd you get to? How did you get to this part of the world? Oh, great question. Uh, I'm a cheesehead. I'm from Wisconsin. I love cheeseheads. Yeah. Oh. You know, good, good that's people Canada, go badgers. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's in Canada. You know, fun, funny story. When I first got out here, I, I, I'm young and naive. Sure. I, maybe I'm still young and naive, but mm. I was particularly young and naive then. And um, if I say the word about, I have what appears to be a little bit of a Canadian accent. A bit of a northern. Yes. And it was more pronounced then. And um, I told somebody out here in California, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. And the look on their face was like, that's that little sliver in between New York City and Los Angeles, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's tiny. And it might be in Canada, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, How did I get out here? I'll call it the power of intention. Uh, I was about 21 at the time, uh, and I started to meditate. And I was finishing up a degree in uh, undergrad uh, in finance and marketing. 
had all the normal stuff going on, Accenture, I guess it might've been Arthur Anderson at the time, job offers of that nature. And as I started to meditate, uh, a little bit of space in me opened up. And the question that came up was, okay, you'll make money in this lifetime. You'll be fine. How are you going to serve? And the picture that appeared to me was to help uh, empower organizations to be um, at the time, values-based organizations. Think 20 years ago, Ben and Jerry's was kind of the titan of the space mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I didn't really know what that meant, but that's what sure. kept re-emerging at that time. And when I did that, a remarkable, so setting your intention, setting right. your purpose. Right. Uh, and when I did that, remarkable things started to happen. So uh, uh, my childhood doctor was a holistic practitioner. Uh, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call from him a few weeks later, and he says, I want to start an Ayurvedic herbal supplement company, and the goal is to give away the, the profits to charity, which in that case was creating income generation programs for the farmers in India. Think about that. 20 sure. years ago. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, today, somewhat commonplace. You hear about it, impact investing, those types of things. Right, right. At the time, very unusual. And think about the alignment it had you know, with where my mind was at. It was right, right idea, right time. Right idea, right time. Um, so long story short, I met some very interesting people as a result of that, because when you're trying to do something unique, people tend to show up that might not otherwise show up in your life. Uh, one of them was a retired Swiss banker who was in his 70s, huh. and he huh. became a mentor and a friend oh. because he loved what we were working on. Sure. Uh, and I got to California because when I decided it was time to move on from that, I just gave him a call and said, you know, what do you think I ought to do next? I'm living in Wisconsin, so I'm thinking, I'm going to go get a beer, you know, (laughs) take your time. Uh, And uh, long story short, he introduced me to someone out here in California who was a pioneer in the values-based, spirit-based business movement for many, many years. Uh, And that's what got me out to California. Who was that? A gentleman named Ronaldo Brudico, who's actually here in town. Uh, and he's got a nonprofit called the World Business Academy, which for many years yeah, has sure. been um, looking at the connection between uh, consciousness and business and talking about spirit and business before it became popular like it is today. And um, so that's how I got to California. I, well, I just I, you, you dropped a, a kind of an interesting little uh, note in there about Ben and Jerry's. Uh, and Ben and Jerry's in in the in the nineties and and Burt's Beeswax and um, yeah uh, you know uh, Tom's of Maine sure. uh, these are all companies that that at the time were were kind of making those big waves and this like uh, I think Tom and Jerry's concept was that they could only earn a ratio to what their lowest employee would earn so as CEOs and owners of the company if they made X number of dollars that meant they had to pay their their lowest employee. Yeah. You know, one twenty-seven. Sure, of that definitely one of the key tenants. Yeah, yeah, and so, and I'm I'm interested to hear what happened. It's so interesting because all of those, uh, you know, those those first kind of companies had massive exits. Like yeah. they all were purchased by you know Burt's Beeswax is now Clorox, uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, Unilever. Know, yeah, is that who got it? Yeah, yeah, and the, you know in, ends up in every Seven Eleven out there, um, and just now um, Chobani Yogurt did the thing where they they gave the owner of Chobani Yogurt gave all of his employees profit sharing which was you know very interesting to give them sure. the, the stocks but so it's i it, i'm interested that 20 years ago we had this kind of like this value movement but then it now it seems like so much of that is just to line yourself up for a big exit 
in in today's market where you know it's like okay we're going to look authentic just long enough to get purchased and this is happening in the in the micro brew industry with with beers every small brand beer gets you know swooped up into the portfolio of Anheuser-Busch or yeah, I think, I think yes and no. I certainly think there's a lot of washing that happens. Greenwashing is a term when it comes oh, to right. sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, um, I'll call it purpose washing or values sure. washing, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better term. But little known fact, I believe that Ben & Jerry's is one of the uh, largest B Corps in America. Mm. Is it? And I actually happen to know a guy and chat with from time to time, a guy who was, I believe, on the board then. He is on the board now. Mm. And he was one of the pioneers around the thinking behind um, group ownership, mm-hmm. profit sharing, what are the models that can do that. So I suspect he probably influenced some of the thinking at Ben & Jerry's. But Ben & Jerry's, are they big? Yes, they're absolutely big. Are they owned by uh, a very big company? Yes, they are. But Unilever is also one of the only companies that's de- created a purpose roadmap hmm. for all of their brands. Uh, and in fact, um, I was recently uh, part of a think tank to help them try and create another purpose-driven brand. Hmm. So, I, do I? Wait, think oh, wait, that's wow. fascinating. The idea yeah, that yeah, they yeah, would yeah. try to do a purpose-driven brand from the top up instead of going and harvesting one of these smaller ones that have already proven in the market. Well, and that—that that is Unilever's underlying tenant. If you hmm. if you Google Paul Pullman, he's their CEO, yeah. and he has put out some unbelievable quotes and comments, and really shifted their bad business. Or good? Unbelievably good, in yeah. my opinion, because sure. he's talking about purpose being the key driver of business. Right. Um, so, do I think uh, do I think what you're describing happens to a lot of companies? Yes. And if you saw the trade press recently, you guys know Justin's uh, Butters. Absolutely. So they just got bought by Hormel, mm. Uh, mm. which should uh, I be upset about that? Spam. Yeah. If you is, will, is who does right? Hormel. Right. And yeah. the concern is, of course what's going to happen to Justin's for those people who are fans of it? We yeah. eat it at our house. I've always thought it was a great brand. Justin's launched at Ted. Did they? Is that right? Huh. Yeah, in long I don't know if it launched, but they were just starting kind of and there's out. a uh, there's a I call him the snack master at Ted. Yeah. And their his job is to find the snacks for the event that are aligned with Ted. Sure. I mean, who Sure. Thinks of Ted no, thinks very, of that. very plausible, yeah. Right, sense. and yeah. the the Justin's dark peanut butter. I was like, I, yeah. I don't like peanut butter and chocolate. It should never have been together in the first place. <laughs> and yet, my my th- son might argue with you. Well, I'm now I'm at the front of that line, yeah. Yeah. and I look at that brand and everything that they stand for, yeah. which kind of leads me to other mergers. Stump. Virgin Airline Virgin bought Airlines. by Alaska. Right. And I'm like, oh, you're going to take away all the stuff we love about Virgin. Yes. But to your point, th- don't assume that. That's Yeah, don't, don't, that don't assume that. It does happen in some cases. Hmm. Uh, but there are some very big companies now that have uh, jumped to the forefront on purpose. Uh, and have done some remarkable things. And if you look at uh, Hormel, also bought uh, Crave, the beef jerky snack, I believe, a number of years ago. Which was the Sebastiani's grandson who said, the jerky that's out there is awful. Hmm. There's room in the market for a delicious jerky. <laughs> yeah. And it is spectacular. This is Isn't good. Oh, Today, O5 oh, yeah. conversations brought to you by Craig. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you look at uh, and you talk to some of the founders, and my background is in the natural and organic space. Really? So um, I've watched a lot of these companies get big and get bought. Right. Um, more and more, they're able to maintain 
some autonomy, and they're able to maintain their values. Now, the world, uh, I think, I think your topic for the next TEDx conference is what if. Yes. And what if these major corporations, instead of saying we're going to buy these companies and overlay how we do business on them, right? What if they bought these companies and said, we're going to use what they're doing as innovation to mm. reinvent the rest of our business? That. Well, that's Pete's Coffee has just bought Stumptown. And, and the rumor is they essentially bought Stumptown Coffee out of Portland for the cold brew process that they use. Because yeah. they feel like the cold brew process was, was so, you know, so well done by Stumptown. Yeah. Why should we try to reinvent it? Let's just buy the company and then we'll distribute under that brand. Well, and not just products. Products are the people. easy manifestation, but, but uh, the culture, the how the organization sure. is built, how it operates. I mean, look, businesses get big and sometimes they're not even sure how they got to where they got to. Atari. But when you talk to the leaders, yeah, when you talk to the leaders, I love my Atari, by the way. I know, but but when you look, <laughs> but, but when you when you right. look at the story of Atari that's yeah. been b- very popularized this year, yeah. uh, they brought in a CEO who didn't understand, who wasn't there at the beginning, and didn't understand the the context of the company. But the, you know, the, once the money showed up, they yeah. said, well, we need to put somebody in charge of this who can run something at this size. Yeah, and it fell apart because the leadership didn't have that that connection to. Yeah. Of course, you know, Atari, the organic video game brand. <laughs> yeah. So you're so I, so you're leaving me with hope. Thank you. You bet. That um, as to Patrick's point earlier, we don't create a business in order to flip it. However, you know, if you're if you do bring in outside money, the first question they ask you is, how are you going to exit? Because that's important to them. And I think if you're so crystal clear on your why and your purpose, yeah. that's going to attract an investor that's aligned yes. with your purpose and values. And then that's all going to be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. You we bet. Are, it's been a pleasure. This is, uh, you know, and you know what? I didn't look at any of my notes because I knew, <laughs> I knew we were Mike just... Made- he made one, just one over here, just to make sure that there, okay, there wasn't good. a waste of time. <laughs> okay, good. And we're at the, um, the the point in the conversation where our listener has been waiting for 46 minutes for this part, which is... You always characterize it like that, but I don't. I, don't, I feel like they've been listening for 46 minutes. I don't think... For 46 minutes, they've just been like, get to it! Come on, Mark! Do the thing! <laughs> we... Um, uh, it's important that we have a great title for the episode because they're going to look at, you know, the 80 episodes that are there. They listen to this one. They go, God, where, is there another one of those tasty morsels on the platter? Yeah. And they're going to look for the titles. Sure. So I like to offer our guest the opportunity to give us a title. So what should we we'll put a bow around this conversation? What should we call it? Oh, I hadn't been expecting that question. Great question. You can live your purpose and create your purpose. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. How do people find you if they want to have a conversation with you? Maybe have you come in and talk to the executive team sure. and you know there's there's I'm, I'm sure you'd love to have local clients and not have to be on airplanes all the time. Yeah, airplanes are not all that entertaining these days. Yeah. But uh, very simply, uh, my website is the word impact, yes. the number seven yes. generations.com. Okay. My email is Brian with an I at impact seven generations.com. 
You're easily Googleable. I found um, lots of information about you. Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, I uh, appreciate what you're doing here. I know you're part of the Business Giving Roundtable, which is a, a local group of business people who see nonprofits as a, an important part. And I, I think that this show has been about business, but it's also been about mindfulness, and it's been about understanding all of the aspects it takes and you've brought something important to the table so thank you so much glad to hear it thanks for having me i uh, also want to thank california lutheran university school of management and tolman and weicker insurance services uh, for their continued support our podcasting partner Polstring press for this great studio and cielo 24 who provides the searchable captions for the show the 805 Connect project, now in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. You can get more information about the project at 805connect.com. And Patrick, someone has just listened to this, and how could they help us in the show? Well, we're looking for a, a large exit, so if you would like to, <laughs> if you would like to support us, uh, reach out to that billionaire uh, angel investor that you know and uh, and get them interested in this podcast. The best way to do it is grab their phone um, and uh, and and just subscribe to uh, the show for them. It's the fastest and easiest way to have it happen. Of course, as usual, and we can't emphasize this enough. I know we say it really quickly, but uh, rate, write, review. Let us know uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Um, that that peer. Uh, evaluation is really uh, what gives us credential in the world to keep moving forward with what we're doing. So uh, give us that feedback and let the world know that you're giving that feedback and that will make uh, this show stronger. That's such an important thing. Uh, I appreciate the letters that I get every week. People love uh, the interviews. Um, they say, I wasn't sure that that topic was going to be interesting, but I, you know, I trust you, Mark. And, uh, and, and it turned out that was great. If you would like to talk to me, send a note to mark at 805connect.com. Let me know what you like about the show. So until next week, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.